This week's podcast is brought to you by Goo Energy Labs. Goo has been a leader in sports nutrition since inventing the energy gel over 25 years ago, fueling countless athletes to PRs, world championships, and Olympic appearances. With a variety of delicious energy, hydration, and recovery products, count on Goo to get you there. To find out more, follow them on Instagram at Goo Energy Labs. That's G-U Energy Labs. Hashtag Goo for it. T-I-P. Hey, Jamie, JT. Oh. If I time to get back hot again, man, you know I'm fresh out this thing. Let go. You know you're looking at a winner, winner, you know I'm winner. so up there. I'm so out there. You so not here. Hey, hey. You see, yeah. we so up there. All right, there. let's get this one going. Good thing Zach and I wear the same shoe size. <laughs> <laughs> no comment. <laughs> oh, man. All right, come on. Give us a welcome back. Let's roll. All right. Let me, let me, let me ideate here. Do I, let's see how do I want to do this. He got ideate. What do I do on this one? And we're back. Day before podcast, episode 28. Hold up. Like you have so many others. You do a different right. intro for I'm about Heat to check? hang these headphones up. <laughs> what do you mean? You do a different intro for Heat Check? Oh, wait. What do yeah. I do wait, for this one? Oh, let me think. Aren't you listening oh, to it? No, I don't listen to it. Does this podcast check. even matter to me? Oh, let me think about what I do for this one. Yeah, that's what, like... This was like the, we're second class citizens. This over was the here. OG podcast. I'm offended. Well, this you know, just, we just haven't had the full group in so long, so that's why I don't remember. I was here last week. We were all here last week. <laughs> I stood here for an hour. That is you, true. you were on it. <laughs> you guys, don't take away from our guest. Don't don't do that. <laughs> oh gosh. It's not about you guys or me. It's about seeing the inner workings <laughs> happening live. <laughs> uh, we have a very special guest today. We have Mary Edmond. Welcome. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm good. Dealing with a giant welt from a stupid floor hockey ball from yesterday. Yeah, Thanks, floor underrads. hockey ball. Did you I, get the I dub? We did. We're shins. in the finals of intramurals, trying to earn that T-shirt. You know, last chance. Champs. And of course, I didn't play this year. Yeah, I offered That's why you the, the spot. Finals. You know, we could. That's accurate. There's a strong correlation <laughs> that if I don't play, you'll go to the finals. Oh. Mm. We could have okay. used you in goal yesterday, though. Michael Mike did, Mike did great. Michael did Mike really did great. well. But, but he didn't want to be there. <laughs> he yeah. wanted to be scoring goals. Yep. But he put up with it. David Borlak abandoned us in the last minute because he got his presentation time wrong. Yeah, he went last in his <laughs> 6 to 8 o'clock slot. Our game is at 6.30. Hmm. So he went to his presentation sweaty. No, he, he, he stayed there. He didn't come to our game. Skipped oh, out. Yeah. Yeah. He, he committed, committed to that tableau oh, accounting class. And this was the one team that beat us during the regular season. But so y'all got the win without him. Got the W. Yeah. Without he nice. He should nice. have We did not have Jillian or Mark the last time we played him, and I think there's a correlation with having Jillian and Mark around. Jillian's uh, Jillian's tenacious. Yeah, she's our star player. Tenacious. A former D. guest on the podcast, Jillian Fercola. Shout out. Mm. Yeah, unfortunately we couldn't have video today, um, but we wanted to. But we'll get all this worked out and the coming weeks so um but yeah thanks again for coming and let's talk about how you got to Oregon so kind of explain what or I guess where you were right beforehand and what was the deciding factor that made you come to the U of O was it Sabrina (laughs) I wish I actually didn't follow Oregon sports until I got here uh I was in Arizona Uh, working for the governing body of college tennis, uh, which was great. I spent two and a half years there, but it was a tiny company of 12, and our staff was continually changing for internal, not positive reasons, and I was kind of getting sick of the turnover and needed to get out and move on with my life, and grad school was always on the plan, 
was too lazy to apply for jobs, so it felt like the right time, and grew up in Pac-12 country my entire life and didn't go to a school with football or a big basketball program, so kind of wanted that experience, and Oregon seemed like the perfect fit. And, it, and it has been. Yeah, <laughs> I've, gotten, I've gotten to go to the Rose Bowl, seen a lot of football games, a lot of basketball games, so it's kind of an epic. Well, just quick side note, when we were in Louisville, we were talking with one of the judges, and someone who will not be named decided it was a great idea to tell the judge that this was the <laughs> only school that he got into. <laughs> uh, oh, I'm sure that's amazing. not the case for you, um, but was it something about Oregon when you visited um, that drew you, or like where you knew you were in the right place, and do you feel like it was the right decision in hindsight? Yeah, I mean, I looked at the typical, you know, your... MSA, MBA, so Ohio and UMass Amherst, which most people kind of look at when they're going this route. And I visited all three. And yeah, I kind of stepped on this campus and just immediately felt like this was home. And it was on the West Coast and my parents are in LA. So kind of like the idea of staying close, wanted to, well, hopefully we'll work on the West Coast when I graduate. So the network out here on this coast was better here. Um, I just, I, yeah, the vibe was good. I my family's up in Washington, so everything made sense about it. I went to UMass Amherst, and it was gray and dark, and I just kind of left there being like, I am not going to this school. And Ohio was the same thing. A giant snowstorm hit when I was there, and I didn't – I mean, I grew up in snow, but I did not like that. It was disgusting and cold and gray, and so it just – and I came out here, and it was the one – it was a sunny day, which I think kind of changes your opinion of Oregon sometimes. Even though you know it rains like the rest of the day. Yeah, no, we we pray for sunny days on recruiting weekends because yeah. <laughs> it, it makes, makes a, big a difference. huge difference. I don't know though. I think even if it had rained, I probably would still end up here. But it definitely made a difference, and I don't I don't regret it. I'm glad I'm here. I have really great friends here. The networks work. The trips have been amazing. Uh, so definitely no regret on my decision. Um, you mentioned the snowstorm. Was that comparable to the one that we did get in Eugene last year? About this time, actually, too. No, it was actually worse. This one here, everyone was... Okay, growing up in Colorado, like, I've lived through snowstorms. The one here was so not that bad, and everyone <laughs> was freaking out. And, like, I got my... Ty got my car out in, like, a day, and then I drove to the gym the next day, even though school was still closed. I mean, people freaked out for no reason. But that one was bad because it was freezing cold. It was, like, rain that turned to snow, so it turned to ice. And I had to go from Athens, Ohio, to Columbus to catch a flight the next morning at, like, 6 a.m. because I had to go back to work and work a tennis tournament, and I couldn't miss it because they didn't know I was interviewing at schools. So there was, like, a lot of panic in there that I was not going to make my flight, and then I was have to explain to my company where I was and that I was quitting, which I didn't want to do yet. So you mentioned you worked for the governing body for collegiate tennis. Yep. Is that different from the NCAA? Yeah, we have a relationship with them, but basically every sport in college has like a coaches association, and right. that's technically what we are, but tennis, like golf, and as Jillian talked about last week, is a full-year sport, and so NCAA runs the spring, and so they do all the team stuff. What we did is the individual, um, and well, okay, we do a team tournament in the spring, but it's only one, but yeah, we run basically everything that's individual that happens in the fall. We are the people that give out your All-American awards, your Coach of the Year, your Player of the Year. So we have a relationship with the NCAA. Our rules are the rules that the NCAA pulls for tennis. Um, so we spend a lot of time with coaches making those as well. Um, so the relationship is there, but we kind of we act as a separate entity on our own. Do you think that gives you guys – is that better for the players or 
having like the two systems or is it even maybe better for coaches or does it maybe make it a little more difficult having to deal with two separate entities? I think as a player, it's actually challenging because no one, as a player, you don't really know about the ITA. You know NCAA and you kind of think they run everything. Um, for the coaches, I know the way that the lacrosse coaches association functions, they actually have like a legal team on staff. So any lacrosse coach that gets in trouble, there's a system built in for them to like defend them. And we didn't have that. So I don't know if there's really a place for the ITA that's logical. Um, we take a lot of work off the NCAA, which is obviously very great. But in the future, is it going to survive? Uh, I mean, that's TBD based on USTA trying to like swallow them up and everything too. But yeah, it's it, it it has its place in some moments, but honestly, I don't think it benefits the coaches a ton. I don't know that the NCAA really – I mean, if they just wanted to, like, kind of come in and sit over us, like, that's fine, too. I don't – I don't know. It has a weird place in the system, and most people don't know about it. I don't think student-athletes realize that their coaches have these associations either. No, never heard of it, ever. I'm trying to think if baseball has any other – governing or other bodies over it other than the NCAA and I can't think of any right yeah now. I think it makes little league baseball <laughs> track it's, yeah yeah it's that's the, over it's the full <laughs> yeah. year system that throws it off for tennis and golf because you have to have someone else running like a full year because NCAA only has time to run their season so that kind of changes the conversation but like volleyball has the AVCA so baseball has something but right it's not well known because it's technically there to support the coaches but not the players see the ita is a way better acronym than the track one the track one is just it's too long it's USTFCCCA. that's a lot well it's ridiculous yeah but we don't even have Ain't coach in the word like that's what's weird about yeah. it it's the intercollegiate tennis association which i say and everyone's like oh usta and i'm like no, no. no like completely say. separate but it doesn't say coach in it it used to be mm -hmm. the itca um, but they took the C out when they rebranded. But now it's like this awkward, we are a coaches association, but that's not how I describe it to people either. Interesting. So I guess so for those who don't, what then is the USTA and how does it differ from the ITA? Uh, so the USTA is the United States Tennis Association. It's your national governing body of tennis. So it falls under Team USA technically. It is your... It, it's your Olympic team. It's anyone like Serena or Venus. I mean, you know, all those players kind of fall under them. They also break out sectionally and run all your junior tournaments, your adult leagues. So basically, if you play tennis, you're a member of the USTA if you want to do anything. Uh, they kind of run the tennis world in, in the U.S. Do you have to pay a due? You do. Yeah, there's a annual membership fee. Though I'm pretty sure the way it was when my parents bought memberships was like a lifetime so I'm like hooked on my parents' membership for life. So is there an am amateur membership and a pro amateur? No, so pros don't have to buy memberships. They oh, they're just like they automatically qualified. Basically, I mean they're not going because you buy the membership to play a tournament. So if I want to play something, like I have to have a USTA membership. Which funny enough, mine like when I lived in Arizona said I was like in Southern California, which made me seem really legit on tournament brackets because they're like, oh god, she drove all the way out here from LA, like she must be good, but. It's just because I'm hooked to my parents, so wherever they go, I go. And I don't want to pay for my own membership, so I'm cheap right now. It's um, understandable. So you weren't as good as people thought you were, or did you I mean, I better? made my mark I mean, in Arizona. I mean, you made it just sound like you weren't good. I was about to say, you made it seem like I don't think that was the case. I mean, I don't think people, that's right. you know, Southern California has, like, their reputation for tennis stars. It's okay. where a lot of players come from. Okay. I wouldn't put myself in that quality, 
but I mean, I, I won some tournaments in Arizona. I had I had my tennis life. Nice. I am now kind of retired, but that's okay. <laughs> Details. Semi-retired. Semi-retired. Occasionally plays with a Canadian from our program. Oof, so, I haven't played yeah. with him in like a year. <laughs> but you I beat did. Him? Uh, n- no, we never really played. I'm but Ben's, Ben's not bad. Is he he's, not Ben? Is this ben no, Cook? He's, yeah, Ben Cook. I'm he's not very fun good to play with. Who's better, you or Ben? Uh, well, right now, definitely Ben, because I have not picked up my racket in a year. Okay, so you more. were. But I, Before injury, you were. All right, hey, that's I what played I'm college tennis. Ben decided to do whatever Ben did, so I don't really know what Ben did. Ben does it as a hobby. Yeah. That's who we, should, we should have Ben on here as a, as a guest. That would be... We'll look at our schedule coming up. <laughs> <laughs> ben See Cook, look do. for an email from yeah. Day Before Productions. <laughs> we'll, we'll know hear all about the Pan Am games. Yeah. Um. So are you looking to get back into tennis when you graduate? Is that kind of the would that be the dream? Uh it's actually funny. I came here saying telling Craig I did not want to be in tennis anymore and like <laughs> I was done. Um interestingly, I have an opportunity to get back into tennis potentially. Um and I'm thinking about it. Uh I just kind of I'm I want to see what opportunities are out there. I don't want to pigeonhole myself into tennis and that's my major concern right now, but if the job is good, it's kind of an opportunity I don't want to turn down because I need a job. Um, sweet. Or can you disclose what that opportunity is? Uh, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm curious. <laughs> U- USTA Southern California um, has a manager of junior competitive tennis um, open, and I didn't apply. They reached out. Um, they got my resume from David Higdon. That's the best. Talk kind. to him. Yeah. Talk so best kind. Higdon hooked me up. Ooh, shout out to David Higdon. Yeah. Um, and Run sent, with Hal. Sent them my ben resume. Ben didn't get one of those emails, so you're definitely better in tennis than Ben. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm also an American, so it helps with like people wanting to hire you here. Like, I don't need mm. a visa. Uh, true. That is true. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> so I'm gonna go interview when I'm home for spring break in person. This is my final round. And wow. Good see. luck. Two weeks. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Thoughts going out to Mary Edmond on her interview. Yeah, everybody in the comments. Yeah. Everybody send, send, send your, good vibes your way. <laughs> send your high five or yeah. prayer hands for Mary. <laughs> I'll need them because I have to travel and no one is traveling right now. So Just put a mask on, you'll be all right. Mom. Yeah, I, Ty was over here coughing. He just got back from Hawaii. So, uh, I did get back from Hawaii and I came through San Francisco. Did you fly through the bay? I flew through the bay. Yeah, I mean, we landed in San Fran. Right, I was there for two whole hours. We're going to have to quarantine How this cool. whole podcast studio. <laughs> yeah, so. we're just Can't trapped leave. in here. Was the airport mm-hmm. empty? It was a lot more empty than uh, other times I've been in the Bay. Yeah. Were a lot of things closed? Like, that's what I'm wondering. Like, are people just not going to work? Uh, I don't know. I didn't leave people the airport. Are, I feel like well, people, no, but like even people are like, I'm going to self-quarantine for two weeks. Oh. I'm going to self-quarantine so. for ten weeks. And then uh, <laughs> and just graduate. I'm just going to walk out. self-quarantine during I'm finals I'm next out. week. I'm finished. Yeah, what does the school do if we go, like, online and it's finals week? What happens? Just take an online test, I guess. I love online tennis. That would be just terrible. Oh, that would just be the worst. <laughs> Dang it. And, and there's probably no way we could all, half. like, be together either, so. Right, we'd all have to be. <laughs> yeah, like, separate at our own homes. That would be crazy. Um, yeah, my, my mom called me yesterday and was like, are you sure you want to fly home? I was like, well, do you want me to drive back? Because <laughs> she complains when I drive home because it's an eight-hour drive. <laughs> Can't win. So, so I was just like, yeah, I'm going to fly and the odds of you getting in a wreck and dying from that over the coronavirus is higher. So I'm just letting that go out there. Have you guys seen the the tweet where the coronavirus, the actual, where they have like what the actual like virus itself looks like? Looks yeah, like if the you type canvas in virus logo. in your phone. Oh yeah, but if you also type <laughs> virus in your phone when you're texting people, have you guys noticed the green little like 
blurb pops up, like so you can select an emoji. There's an emoji for a virus, and cool. it pops up every time I, I try it. to text I gotta, it. I gotta check this out. Yeah. Trending. I noticed Trending it yesterday, virus. and I was like, oh, I didn't even know this was an emoji on my so phone. Somebody's making a lot of money on this emoji now. Probably genius move. Probably not. Um. All right, so you were at the USOC with uh, diversity and, and inclusion. What does that look like for them? Because I kind of think, at least my perception of when you get to that level, it's like you're just kind of taking the top talent. And so how do you diversify and include at that level? Or is it more of a internal deal? Yeah, so it's actually interesting. They've changed a lot since I've been there. It's now kind of shifted into the, their HR department, which is how a lot of companies kind of manage it. Um, at the time, we were our own department, uh, which was awesome. But yeah, it's more of an internal um, USOPC thing, as well as like we manage the NGBs. Uh, so we, That was a lot of acronyms just thrown out there. I don't know what any of those are. So the USO- USOC is. Yeah, so USOPC, and then the NGBs are your national governing body. So that's where like USTA, US Track and Field, U.S. Volleyball, like all those fall under into those. Um, But we're more managing their hiring practices of people, making sure that their boards are diverse, uh, their staff is diverse. We don't really – the whole concept is your membership – your staff should look like your membership. So if your membership is diverse, which most sports are a diverse makeup, then your staff should look that way. Whether people bought into it, that's another story. But that was kind of our role. Um, I was there at the time when Gus Kenthworthy came out um, as gay. So that was actually pretty cool because that was the first time our office kind of came to us for advice on how to phrase tweets and posts and kind of make sure that the wording was appropriate. So the the department was more there to kind of make sure that the USOPC didn't fall into any bad like traps or statements or anything. Um, but it was cool. I mean, it, it was a different realm of sports than I think people realize exist. So you don't have to have, like, both of my bosses uh, neither had a sports background, neither really played sports. They just kind of both had the diversity sociology background and ended up in that department at the USOC. So say that your demographic in the sport shifts and you need to have somebody else on the leadership position. How do you approach that type of discussion with somebody? Do you say, hey, we have to demote you? Do you wait till they quit? What does that look like? It's on. It was up to the staff to decide if they wanted to listen or not. We had a scorecard that we created and we would do every year. So I would go through roster or not rosters, but like board, staff, everything kind of like, seg, you know, separate people into where they should be and kind of just calculate percentage wise. Um, USA Hockey, white, male dominate didn't have a didn't have a woman yeah didn't have a woman on their board (laughs) at the time their staff was entirely white and male they could care less that we were there that we were trying to get them to change they've now with the help of the nhl like the conversation has shifted but at the time they didn't care um so it yeah we're more there to like recommend things whether that was put into practice that was entirely up to people but i think you know the way that you see global conversations shifting with diversity has forced people to kind of recognize that this is important and that if you don't do something now, like it's gonna come by like come by you in the ass because someone's gonna catch it and notice that you're all white or you're all male or something. So that conversation has shifted a ton now, but at the time when I was there in twenty fifteen, like that conversation didn't exist as much. Were there certain groups that were like quick to utilize your feedback or maybe that were better than hockey? 
Um, I mean, I think a lot of them naturally. So, like, the USTA has always naturally been super diverse. Um, USA Swimming as well. I mean, a lot of the organizations that are based out of Colorado Springs, so you have USA Swimming, basketball is there, table tennis. Um, hockey is actually in Colorado Springs, but they didn't they didn't function like that. Um, but those organizations that are close to headquarters, they tend to be a little bit better at respecting kind of our place within the organization and taking advice. Um, there's also the ones like track and field is separate. The USTA is also separate um, that they're harder to connect with because they don't one, they don't take money from the USOPC because they do very, very well on their own. Um, and then two, they just aren't at headquarters so they can kind of function as their own. But those two actually are very diverse. And that's also a lot to do with their athlete base and um, track and field and tennis are some of the most diverse athletes that we have on Team USA. So it helps that their staff is a lot of former athletes as well. So they stay diverse. Nice. Um, there's been some controversies with the USOC over the past five years or so. Nothing while you were there, of course. Um, <laughs> how do you think they've handled it? And what do you think um, the challenges moving forward for them is going to be, probably specifically in gymnastics? I mean, I think anyone who says that they handled it well would be lying to themselves. They didn't. Um, and a lot of it had to do with the time I was there, I worked under Scott, Scott Blackman, who is now obviously not there. Um, a lot to do with this controversy. Um, it's a political organization at best. I mean, it's it's nonprofit, yes, but it's one of those loose nonprofits that, you know, we have like some of our leagues and stuff. But they're at the end of the day, they're political and they don't make they don't want to make any waves. And so when this happened, they obviously had to make changes and you've seen a lot of it but it was almost a little too late like as a person who one worked there I lost a lot of respect for that organization I think that they handled it poorly I think they're still handling it poorly you still see a lot of the gymnasts kind of coming out and saying that it's not changing the conversation's not changing um, I think gymnastics for as good as they are their image will forever be tarnished by this scandal so they can win as many gold medals as they want but this is something that's still going to live on and people are going to remember um, so I don't know. I mean, they're lucky 2020 is coming up then, you know, that's coming to LA. So they have publicity options to make it the conversation better. But if you pay attention, you know, what's happening, like this is never going to go away. And honestly, I, it's not the first scandal. There are a lot of more quieted ones that happened. And like, there was one in Taekwondo while I was there, right after I was there that no one really knows about. So there's always, there's always stuff happening. It's whether it just, you know, gymnastics was a really big sport in the u.s and a lot of the major athletes were affected by the scandal so they kind of had to face the music but normally they it just goes under and no one pays attention do you think that these scandals um help the public to champion the athletes more and support them more um or a statement that you said earlier was that usa gymnastics is never going to have this image taken from it but that doesn't reflect on the athletes that's right. more of a reflection on the organization right yeah. is that yeah what i think what's tough though is like gymnastics is only big every four years like other than that no one's really following what the gymnasts are doing unless you are a gymnast yourself mm -hmm. so you have a hard time changing the conversation when you know for the next three years after 2020 no one's paying attention like they go on their tour they do their media press like people care and then it's 2021 and it goes quiet again so 
at the end of the day, like gymnastics as a sport isn't every four year sport. USA Gymnastics as a company like is all year. So people will still remember that. And the athletes will change. Simone Biles will eventually retire and like it's always changing. So the consistency of those kind of scandals, like that's the problem they're facing. Do you see I mean, you said like USA Gymnastics is a like every year they have I mean, they're a company that functions every year. Is there like a huge ramp up in Olympic years for them, or is it like just kind of steady all the time, preparing for the next Olympic cycle? They're always preparing because your your cycle is, I mean, it's usually eight years. Like you know mm-hmm. what's happening. It they're always preparing. A lot of the NGBs will run smaller events. Um, the only, I mean, the major events are your trials and then the games. But and then there's Pan Ams that keep you going. You have your youth Olympics. So there's always something happening that the staff has to work on, um, depending. I mean, it always depends on your role. Like if you're diversity and inclusion, like you're you're doing stuff all year. If you're more like high performance stuff, then, you know, you kind of are more on a cycle depending on the year. But at the end of the day, there's always something happening in the office. There's always people competing. I mean, Team USA on social is always active because somewhere in some sport, some athlete is doing something. Um, so they have to cover it. Who handled the schedule better, USOC or the Astros? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you could handle it I'd worse say, than the Astros, to be honest. I Obviously, know. like I don't know. Actually, I think, well, I think it's two completely different say, types of scandals. Yeah. So the, yeah. like, I mean, the USOC like, stuff is much more serious. Oh than yeah, the yeah, hundred percent. You know, so the Astros is kind of is pretty trivial in my personal opinion compared to right. what USA Gymnastics was. It even so? Yeah. So I, I, yeah, I mean, like it's completely different because the Astros is an on-field, like, integrity of the game type thing. Player-driven. Yeah, and then yeah. the USOC stuff, is the USA Gymnastics stuff is off. Behind the scenes. Yeah, behind the abuse, scenes. Like, pretty much. Yeah. Like, yeah. human. Like more like human Penn, like comparing Penn State and that. Exactly, yeah. 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 And honestly, I mean, in that case, I'd honestly say they're both equally as bad in the Penn State. I mean, keeping secrets and having your athletes come to you and say something and you not confront it, like right. that is the worst thing you can do in terms of protecting your athlete. And your role as the athletic department or as Team USA is to protect your athlete at all costs. So if you're keeping that a secret and perpetuating that culture, that's the worst thing that you could possibly do in your role. But the Astros thing, like – this baseball season will come and go and people will move on and people will always make fun of the Astros, but they'll be fine. Like those athletes don't care. They're not affected. I mean, they're getting hit by pitches, but they'll be fine. Like people will move on this. On the other hand, I mean, this stimulated a whole turn of conversation for women, for women in sport, for sexual assault. Like it started a conversation that needed to happen, but hadn't been happening. Right. Which, so that's what I mean when I'm saying like, I don't <laughs> I don't Ooh, think you could have handled it. In here. <laughs> I don't know if you could have handled it much worse than the Astros handled it because they like just completely botched, you know, the apology and everything. At, at least USA Gymnastics, you know, they I mean the conversation was started and, you know, they've found they've a way made to, changes. Yeah, they've made changes because of that. So, I don't know. Obviously two completely different like ends of the spectrum in terms of of what is actually being affected by the quote-unquote scandal. Um so, I, I mean, I, it's it's hard to compare. But in terms of, like, handling the actual situation, I would say that the Astros, Astros just they botched, they it. botched it. And I think <laughs> entirely. I mean, and we can always sit here and make those it, – it's hard to know what you would do in times of, like, something like that totally overturning Absolutely. your entire, like, plans for the year. 
but making a bad statement or ignoring it or not defend like that's the worst thing you can do but it feels like every time a scandal happens that's exactly what the situation is like no one has a good pr system I just, even the yeah i just want to know who is working Lee, in like, pr no one has a good pr system it's horrible just, just say you're sorry and move forward that's but no one's you, apologizing yeah. right. like, like hey, everyone I'm sorry. I everyone up. says i'm sorry but Right. Like, how about just the I'm sorry and we're going to work something? Like, no, yeah, the I'm sorry, but like, is so overdone. Yeah. I'm sorry. And, and this is our steps moving forward. Don't ask for forgiveness. Right. You know, don't be like, I hope you can forgive. Like, just stop. Right. Say, I'm sorry, I messed up. Yeah. yeah. And I don't expect your forgiveness. And, you know, just move forward with your life. And, and eventually people forgets. will move on. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Well, not everybody, but <laughs> most people. Well, okay, forget. but like, look at look at Alex Rodriguez. Right, like yeah, Alex A-Rod. Rodriguez, like everybody hated A Rod. Still, Yankees fans again? hated A Rod. I still don't remember what he did now. PEDs. Yeah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Served the longest suspension in Major League history. Is that a flex tie that you were showing? Yeah, it was totally flex. Swelled up on him. It said PEDs and gave him a flex. It's but now steroids. people, people actually. I mean, I don't like listening to him personally as a commentator. But a lot of people think that he provides like good insight to the game and. They like they enjoy listening to him as a commentator, and they moved on because he right. owned it and he served a suspension, and then tried to move on from there. He yeah. even commented like after the Astros thing was just like, yeah, like I messed up, but you you can't do this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think it. Yeah. All right, well, I'm sorry, but we're gonna move to your next stop in your okay. career. Let Let me shift <laughs> gears. Yeah, it makes me seem like my career's been like forever, but it hasn't <laughs> been that long. <laughs> You're, 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 a bet. you're not like 45 no. <laughs> you're not mark's age Golly. uh why don't you give us a little bit about your time in nashville this summer like what was the process like um getting that internship and did you ever see yourself going to nashville uh and yeah working in hockey that one kind of came out of nowhere i was honestly a friend of a friend works in their cr department and i was just doing an informational call with her um and while i was on that call she was like i have an internship do you want it uh and community relations is really where i'm trying to go with my career down the road and so it was kind of too good of an opportunity to turn down um the preds are known pretty well nationally for what they do in their cr department they're really well respected by a lot of teams and so kind of just felt like I needed to take that risk um, and move across the country and take an unpaid internship and just go for it. Um, it was, I mean, it was definitely cool. Nashville was fun. It, it was an adjustment for someone like me who's never lived uh, east of Colorado um, or in the South for that matter, or ever thought about living in the South. Um, but Nashville's like a really cool blend of South, but also not West, but like, I don't know north i guess would be the best but like it's a total mix of cultures it didn't it it never felt like home but i made a really good group of friends um for the summer and i still keep in touch with them and it ended up being a really good adventure the internship was okay um but the company as a whole i really liked if the preds did have a job i would be interested in going back i think the organization's great i think hockey is really fun to work in they have a great time doing it um the Titans are obviously up and coming and they're trying to do a big, not rebrand, but they're really trying to reframe themselves with their younger fan base. Um, Nashville is just booming with young people. And so they want to like focus on that. So I think there's some exciting stuff happening in Nashville soccer team coming in MLS. So they're trying to grow and make their spot in the sports world, which I think is dope. Um, 
what is their relationship with the community? How involved are they, um, at least from what you saw in your short time there? And how do you think they will um, kind of react to the recent uh, devastation that that city faced with the getting hit with the tornado uh, yeah. last weekend? Last yeah. week? Yeah, last week. Um, they are really involved. They give out grants, um, and then they they actually go and visit those grant recipients, which they spend a lot of their summer doing since they don't have games. And so I got to attend a lot of those and kind of see where the foundation money is going. Um, and I think that impact, I don't know, I don't feel like a lot of teams do that. I haven't talked to a lot of people that do, but seeing where your money is going, but also creating that relationship with those community members is really important. I mean, Nashville and Tennessee as a whole has really just a total wide range from rich to poor, um, and it's a big community to serve. Um, so they go all the way out um, to Murfreesboro and other communities, not just uh, central Nashville, to kind of service them. Um, the staff is required to volunteer 40 hours um, every six months, um, and they all really get involved. Like they're, I serve food um, at not a shelter, but like a community center a few times they go out and i mean they're super involved with the community which is really cool they have a lot of cool initiatives um the tornado that one that was tough um i definitely had <coughs> luckily none of my friends or the people i like knew were affected um but it's pretty crazy to see the devastation that took place literally right down because um, it hit where i was living and so i the route to work that i normally took was totally destroyed um so those pictures were really crazy but i think what was the coolest thing was to see the community of Nashville come out of that and how much everyone just went out and helped, but also what the other NHL teams were doing. I mean, Dallas, um, their 50-50 raffle, all that money that was raised went straight to the Preds. Um, a lot of the teams reached out. So I think more than anything, it was cool to see the impact that you can tell like the Preds have in the NHL and how much respect the other teams had, and they were just trying to help as much as they could. Um but yeah it's tough i mean they're still bouncing back i still see a lot of people out volunteering life is not back to normal um luckily the preds you know the community department wasn't affected so they've been able to go out and make a big impact but it's also it's still hockey season so they still have a job to do there's still games to be played and like they still have to work so it's that weird balance a lot of you know they still have to go into the office and do what they've been doing but i have a feeling like a lot of them want to be out helping as much as they can but it's it's definitely an ongoing um resurrection of the city right now sweet um, so is is that is that why you got into um community outreach work or i don't i don't want to bucket you into like csr work but like community community yeah. relations is a better one yeah. uh so is there a lot of money involved in that job. Is that why you picked it, or is it because you're just a phenomenal person and you just, just want to help great, everybody? Make and, and yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Explain to us why you chose uh, community no relations yeah. as a career path. There's definitely no money in it. Um, the team world in general has very limited money. Um, for me, I think I see the power in sports beyond being an athlete, putting you know, doing what you do on the field. I think that's great, but I think the power in that is the community that's around you and that messaging that you create um i think a lot of it came from being a college athlete like getting to volunteer in my own community and being in, like just doing local events hanging out with kids like the the inspiration that you have as an athlete is kind of incredible um 
and I don't know that athletes always recognize it. I think, especially in college, like you're young, you're naive, you have your whole, like there's a whole life happening at University of Oregon and you don't realize how much young kids love you and the community of Eugene loves you. And so I just kind of realized that there was more to sports than just the product that's put on the field. And I, yeah, I've kind of just been following that. It's tough because it's small departments. They're always your smallest departments. It's also usually very female dominated, which is amazing, but that you know it also makes it like very hard to get into because i'm just another you know there's no diversity we need some male diversity in the the cr department no no it's really it is like totally a female dominated (laughs) department every most calls i've done with teams like it's usually a woman which is fantastic like that's great like but it is such a weird it is like a weird culture like now women will go that route it's like that and marketing kind of seem to be the two pockets that women fall in um but there's an opportunity there for men to kind of break in there is but it right now it just seems to be that way but the greatest power of community is that people don't want to leave those jobs because they love it and there's a passion like you have to have a passion for it because it doesn't pay well you have to work most games because you're doing a raffle or you're giving away product you know you're doing something to raise money for your foundation so you're working a lot of games you're also going out in the community and doing weekend events so it's definitely a lot more than just game day stuff that you have to do um but I think what I love about it is like people love what they do every day. Like they're showing up for not just a hockey game; they're showing up because they love the community that they're serving as well. Yeah, I think that'd be hard to leave after you do all that and get tied in somewhere and be yeah. tough to. I mean, to they pull and out. The, like they yeah they build the contacts with all the charities. Like they yeah they're totally tied into the community. Um, hockey is fun because I mean the puppy thing is totally taken over, and that's cool because they're also part of the community department which is kind of a fun perk. I got to hang out with a dog all summer, so hey, can't complain about that. But I think it, it's it's very cool. I've gotten the opportunity to talk to so many different teams, and what every team does is different. It's unique, and they take their community and kind of form it into their own messaging, which is, I think, what's cool about it. It's not every team is doing the same, and you don't have to, but you also – it's a lot of collaboration. It's not competition because you're not trying to market your team. You're not trying to compete for fans. You're literally trying to help a community – that you can't so even all the LA teams like they want to help the same community and that's that's great the more teams the better so I think that's also like the nice part about us I'm not you're not fighting with other teams so if you had to pick the west coast or the south the yacht <laughs> the west coast Ooh. I didn't ask I, you I can guess I mean I had some pretty darn good food down there yeah. but I favorite mean, food what was your favorite food oh I mean, the, it's Nashville. You got to go hot chicken. Yes. Yeah. I just had a hot chicken sandwich two days ago. There's, From where? From was, I was in Hawaii. Oh. I went to Yard House. <laughs> no, so I was, I was in I, Hawaii, so I, I had a hot to, chicken sandwich. <laughs> I went to Yard House because I heard they had really good fried chicken. Yeah. And they just so happened to have a hot chicken sandwich. Really it was real good. Wait, like Yard House, like the brewery? Like the yes. beer place? Oh, yeah. so the chain that you the can chain. get that anywhere. Yeah, yeah. but I've never been okay. to one. Okay. But the hot chicken in Nashville I had a decent amount of per diem left. I typically don't go to nicer places. When you went to Yard House, so I went to Yard House. Is Yard House a nice place? It's a nice For me, place. It's like an Applebee's. Good, dude. I'm just saying. Nice like, it's, it's a tier above Applebee's. It's yeah. actually it's like a chili. It's it was like a good. Chili's. It was really good. It's it was good. tasty. I would say it's like a BJ's I level. Like, it. it's, it's good. It has good food. Nah, I was just it's like, above I, BJ's. I, I, it's, it's, BJ's. It's above BJ's. It's not a fast food chain. Exactly. There's not like a million of them. No, if there's one in the true. Palazzo Hotel in Vegas, it's not a, it's legitimately it's not a, a crappy chain. It's legitimately a restaurant. Bingo. See, there you go. You, okay. you guys get off I've my back. I've never been to Yard House. It's like get off my back. Okay, I'm sorry. It's like Chick-fil-A. 
Um, I did eat a lot like of Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A. Stop. Did I have a lot? I did eat a lot of Chick-fil-A. Does Chick-fil-A have a special edition hot chicken sandwich in the South? They don't. They don't. They just have the regular spicy. They should, though. See, I think that would be an opportunity. That would be. Especially if you're in Nashville. Yeah. That yeah. would be an opportunity. I mean, KFC has one. Chick-fil-A. Yeah. hot chicken sandwich uh, is not very good. Ty's the product one. guy. But it's like it's not like a it's not a hot chicken though. It's no, like a spicy it's not. Chicken. It's your spicy chicken. Yeah. Well, Chick Fil A is a spicy chicken. Yeah, that's they, true. But no, they don't have. Not, but it's they don't different. have the hot chicken. chicken. Chick Fil A, if you're listening, yeah, we need a hot get chicken. Get at us. I will help do recipe development for you. Taste test. Taste test. Taste test. Exactly. I love hot chicken. What about Little Caesars? Just hot and ready. Does that count? I had Little Caesar two days ago. <laughs> this is just Coach's, a slight tangent Coach is off feed, of where feeding we were his at. family on that five dollar. I, I knew what I was getting to when two, I brought in food. So. Two pizzas yeah. and a crazy bread for four. So you know what I'm bucks. talking about when I said I want to go to a nice place and I went to Yard House. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, nice yeah. pizza. I went to exactly. Little Caesars. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So it's like that's Little Caesars is typical. Yeah, and then that was it. And you have Papa John's. That's nice. That's nice. You guys are embarrassing me. I'm cutting this all out. It was more just you're in Hawaii and you picked a yard house. Like, there's got to be some other good food in Hawaii. Yeah, well, you cool got plate pork. lunch at some oh, point, right? Yeah. I had plenty of plate lunches. I had plenty of pulled pork. Oh. I had plenty of shave ice. And I was just you like, never you want, a, are you a Japanese food fan? I love Japanese food. You uh, cannot get better. Yeah. Japanese food you can't get better Japanese food in the states than you can in Hawaii. Oh, I thought so. you were about to say anywhere. I was like, wow. wait, what did you just say? I did have this no. Little... Japan definitely <laughs> is, <laughs> is top. Oh, I was, about to, I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> I said, in out of anywhere in the states, yeah. Hawaii has the best Japanese food by far. I'm not a big fan of Japanese food, so uh, they have really so good fried go. chicken, though. They do have great fried chicken. Is katsu Japanese? Yeah. Yep. Then they do have good fried chicken. <laughs> yeah. Take it back. I do like Japanese food after all. Just katsu chicken in lunch plate form oh, yeah. with rice, that's, mac salad. The there's, a, there's a bomb yeah, spot great, in, so. uh, in Seattle that had some good katsu chicken. Seattle's got good Japanese Vancouver, food. Too. Vancouver's got some great mm-hmm. Japanese food. Mm-hmm. Okay. These are all places that have a big Japanese population. Exactly. <laughs> that's the key. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, LA has amazing Japanese food. Yeah. I go home San and Francisco I like, is great. All right. Good. We just named every place that's got. Japanese food. Yep. Got to travel now. All right. So you picked the South. So that was good. Well, I picked the you Southern picked the West Coast. Too. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't think I got the full answer am, to that. Yeah. No. I'm a West Coast. I love my mountains and my ocean combination that I get both in From California. Sea so. to Shining Sea. Coach, I think you're the but only But people one are here. super polite, and that took me a while to get used it's to. It's nice. Also, the y'alls, the amount of y'alls. With the y'alls, the yes, ma'am. Yeah, yes, the sir. yes, ma'am. Yes, we had, a, oh, we had a recruit from Georgia here the other day. You got a yes, sir, didn't you? You got a yes, sir, all the time. Yeah, it makes you feel good. Yeah. I don't know. It made me feel old. I say no. yes, sir, and yes, ma'am. I say it to people. Like, yeah. like, if I'm even talking to you, I say yes, it. sir. Yeah, I know. Yeah. People get yeah. weird about it. But it's also funny, like, the fact that people, like, my boss was from Pittsburgh, and she picked up y'all like the right. the way you talk like people had picked up but it was funny my co-intern was from valdosta georgia so she like never been to the west like i was like this foreign person because no one interns at the preds for unpaid from the west coast because you come from like a local area so i was like this weird unicorn that came all the way from oregon which no one had ever really heard of and they were like you and she she literally showed up was like you kind of talk funny. I was like, I talk funny. Yeah, you talk funny from uh, Georgia and Nashville. She yeah. had like a very thick Southern accent, and she had no clue. Yeah. Like, yeah, welcome. People in the South supposedly have accents. Yeah, supposedly. It's a rumor out there. I don't hear it, but we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> David, leave it. Leave it in the comments if you think anybody <laughs> has an accent from the South. Leave on, it in the comments if you think anybody on this podcast has an accent. <laughs> just, uh, just leave it right in the comments. <laughs> 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 
All right, Mary, you're working with Women in Flight, uh, and you just had your own event that you came from your brain. You ran it to perfection. I'm sure you've got nothing but great feedback. Talk about the inception of that idea. Well, first uh, talk about what Women in Flight is. Yeah. I think a lot of people don't know. I'm sorry. Great job, Zach. <laughs> I can do there that. There you go. Start there. All right. Uh, so Women in Flight is an entity of the DAC, well, DAC, Duck Athletic Fund. So the Duck Athletic Fund is your donor fundraising arm of um, Oregon Athletics. And then Women in Flight specifically is the arm that fully supports only the women's um, athletes. It's kind of the first of its kind. Um, and thank goodness for a donor who literally said, here's money, this is what I want with it, and what he wanted was Women in Flight. Um, and so it's been around for about five years now, maybe a little bit more, um, and it's pretty cool to see the growth of it. Um, my boss is awesome, and she's an Oregon athlete, and so her connection with the community, she grew up here also, so that's been really cool to see that relationship and what she's been able to do with it. Um, but the event was for National Girls and Women in Sports Day, um, or National Day for any woman, girl in sports, um, yeah, it kind of came from, I, I mean, we always had an event in my undergrad and I always thought it was really important. And I think at a school like Oregon, where you're so tied into the Eugene community, women's basketball is making this powerful impact and inspiring like the next generation of Sabrina's all over the country. There was a missing note with this day. They've always done something. I, I mean, I guess like doing something in Matthew Knight, super small, not something glamorous or big. And I felt like that was a missed thing for them. I mean, it's Oregon athletics, it's women's basketball. Like they should be doing something big and blowing it out of the water. And so I kind of pitched it to my boss and to Lisa Peterson, who's the SWA here. Um, and they let me run with it, which was really cool. I've never put on, I've always done events, but never something this big. Um, the outcome was really amazing. Uh, it was really just cool to see how many people from the community came out to support something that had never existed like this before. Pressure on the person who takes over my position when I graduate because now they got to do it again because now it is permanently in the calendar. <laughs> so <laughs> I just made that part of the job description. So not only is year two in the works, we got year three, four, five. Yeah. In I, perpetuity. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, the community, just like the feedback that came back was like, you have to do this all the time. My daughter was inspired. Um, so there's just no way that it can go away right now I think it's also just it's important um young girls need to see people like them and you know you can go to a basketball game or to a soccer game and you don't always get access to the athletes but this was like a personal experience like you were you know the athletes were the ones doing sports clinics and doing talks so they were interacting with them um so not only you know they got autographs they got pictures they got to play the sport with the athlete um, obviously women's basketball coming out doesn't hurt either they definitely were the most popular people when they did come through but you know it was cool to see like even we had club sports which I think was cool we had rowing rugby and ultimate frisbee so all kind of sports that you don't typically see um, and the kids loved being able to play all those so I thought that was pretty cool too and I think those girls had a great time because they're not always I mean they're not well known Have you felt like uh, this internship should be something that should be held by one of the MBA students um, just because it seems to have and can have such an impact in the community, especially with uh, the women's basketball team being as good as they are? Women's um, track and field is ranked top 10. Um, this just seems like a great time to really foster women's sports and 
no offense to any undergrads, but it just really needs to be handled in a way that requires somebody that has a little bit more experience in the industry and really can um, create something like the event that you did. Yeah, I mean, there's disadvantages and advantages to it. It's tough because only second year MBAs can get this position. Um, I was lucky enough that Jess Harley, who had this position before me, um, got a job in February, well, no, like almost January of last year. And so the position opened up in February. And so I was able to come in and kind of get to know my boss, get to know the department for like a full three months before summer. And then I could come back in and I was like ready to go. And that's why this event kind of came because I had the whole year to, well, I had six months to put it together. Um, whoever takes it, you know, next year, I plan on being here till June unless someone wants to hire me now. Um, so they'll kind of come in next fall and have to like catch up on everything. So that's hard. It's also hard to just have something for a year and kind of try to form relationships um, with the department. But yeah, I mean, undergrads, no offense to them. It's tough if you don't have experience. Like you have to be a self-starter. A lot of it, my bosses started six months before me. So she's still on like a learning curve. And so, I mean, it's a lot of me kind of just being like, here, I'll go do this or that. And She's not always in the office because she has to do donor visits. She was in Vegas for the women's basketball tournament. She'll be in Portland for that, too. So she's not always around because she has to go out and raise money as well. And so a lot of it is me self-starting. And I don't think if you don't have the work experience, like, you're not going to be able to do it. You have to be committed to it. I also think me knowing what I want to do. I mean, that's how this event came about. I wanted to do community. I wanted to do a community event. The event made perfect sense. Um, so you have to have a direction. You have to be passionate about women's athletics. Otherwise, this position doesn't make sense. Um, it's funny. I've talked to David Borlach about it, but and I talked to my boss about it. Like, The reality is the world isn't ready for a male to call woman alumni and be like, hey, donate to women in flight. So, in yeah, the, yeah. I thought it was funny last year when, when applications for this position was going out. It was like probably 60, 40 like, male applicants. Yeah. Yeah. And Including I, myself. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, you know, we were talking about it because we're, we're planning on opening it up pretty soon and trying to fill it with someone so they can kind of train under me for a couple of weeks and just know the systems. And she was asking who I would think applied. And I was like, well, I know there's a couple undergrads or a couple first years, but I couldn't think of a single guy who I would think would apply. And I mean, I know I've talked to Borlack about it and he was like yeah I mean when you said you were applying I was like she's a former college athlete she's yeah. a woman and he was like we yeah. all knew the deck was stacked against us Mary I mean <laughs> yeah but I, I think I think it will be powerful in the future when that does become the new norm but I think right now alumni would be like why are, why are like, you calling why are, on behalf it's very of hard enough for athletics. me to be like hey I'm calling to get money no I did not go to Oregon no I didn't play sports here like yeah that that's always a hard one and I've talked to my boss about that like that is a huge disadvantage for me so now we're kind of trying to pass it to student athletes here should be the ones making those donor calls because they relate i will never be able to explain being a student athlete at oregon i can talk about being a student athlete but at oregon i have no freaking clue how that works so it's a more nike gear (laughs) all the nike gear and premium leather products (laughs) soon coming soon from blue sim leather Thanks for cutting our guest off, guys. <laughs> she was wrapped. That's why we talked. Yeah. yeah. Ty's just going to get everyone sick. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. I'm taking Edit it. Edit Bay, boys. So what it for real, though, like, what's going on with you? 
What do you mean? Are you like his throat was itchy? Am I sick? You just have a sore throat? Like what's no, no. I got back from Hawaii and I was yelling for four games oh, okay. straight so in the it's, dugout. It's, you lost your voice from yelling. Lost my voice. Okay. I get a little tickle back there. I'm not sick. <laughs> okay, just making no. sure. Hot it at some my point. Throat in throat two hour layover in San Francisco. <laughs> my throat is sore from screaming at the team and trying to will them to win. Didn't, exactly. didn't work out well. I'm flying into Oakland. Should have cleaned it. We got up. the last dub. We got the last dub. All right, but should have put the. The real question on. is to kind of yeah. witness Spikes. as you cough, like because you're fine, but like people, like the stares that you get over like the next week from people yeah, if I you know. ever break out in a cough. Yeah, people are just so, gonna I'm just gonna walk around yeah. campus coughing and see what people do. That's so discriminatory. Yeah, right? I commented on your uh, blog post, Mary. I don't know if you read it. Uh, no, I didn't. I've skimmed through a couple. You have a blog? Well, no. For, yeah, it's for social class. media class. Yeah, social media. We have to write blog posts, and oh. I wrote about coronavirus being like this new pan. No, it's not. What's not? It, infodemic. Pandemic. Is that why uh, everybody infodemic. in like y'all, you guys keep? Uh, I said y'all, you guys uh, keep uh, posting keep live on tweeting? Twitter. Yeah, yeah. Not, oh, that's yeah. what it is. Yeah, yeah it's for our social media out. class. But yeah. yeah, I wrote about coronavirus and what it's doing on social media because it's creating a huge problem. For you didn't everyone. think our tweets were informative? I haven't seen any of yours actually. Oh. Did you see did you his see live mine? tweeting? I saw Zach's. I was going to say, did you see it their the live same tweeting? Day. It was the same day. <laughs> no, maybe I don't follow you. <laughs> Zach even <laughs> commented on out. some of mine. <laughs> yeah, I quote tweeted some of his. Oh. And vice versa. My bad. Now yeah. i got to check and see if I actually follow you or not. And if I don't, I apologize. Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> do you guys have anything else for our esteemed colleague here? No. no just good luck. Thanks for coming yeah, on. Good luck with your yeah, Well, hold up. Hold up. Hold up. Hold up. I do have I have well, like just Uh-oh. like overall like ending question Hold because you know, we've received some criticism on this podcast for being wow. you know we're talk to him Zach a bunch of dudes so and we've now had two female guests on the podcast um Diversity but what can inclusion. yeah 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 exactly <laughs> but, but what can we do as men to help further women's sports like is there anything like, what's the biggest thing that we could do? Obviously, there's, like, so many things that that could cover. But, like, what's the number one thing that comes to mind when you like when men ask, like, what can we do to help improve women's sports? This question is funny because I definitely think I'm one of your harshest critics when it comes to gender <laughs> diversity on this show. Um, but I think Jillian and I were coming from a rightful place of, like, yeah, you guys talking about women's sports is fine. But, like, there's also, like, such an impact of our program having some pretty badass women in it. And so – like having us on it is definitely awesome to like showcase what we do. But I think, you know, you're seeing the shift with the NWSL, WNBA getting a little bit more coverage. And so if you're going to talk about like newsworthy sports, like if there is stuff in women's sports, it needs to be covered. Um, I think there's some cool stuff coming up, you know, with seasons starting. I mean, she believes cup is happening for women's soccer right now. And like that stuff just needs to be talked about and not just like glazed over. I think what people forget is, they think it's enough to just glaze over a sport and then kind of just talk in depth about something else. Well, that's just, that's kind of perpetuating the problem. Right. Like if you're going to go talk about women's sports, like actually talk about it and get into depth about it and kind of talk about what you see. If you're going to glaze over it, then don't talk about it at all. Cause it's almost like worse for the conversation. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I would agree with that. And I think that that's where we struggle with this show in particular is because like, we know the Oregon women's basketball team. I think that's for a lot of us, like about as far as it goes yeah. in terms of. I mean, I'm a I coach women, so I like I know my team. But as far as like 
like the WNBA and you know, women's soccer league and stuff like that. Like I don't really follow that yeah. that much. And so I think that's like where we struggle is like, I don't feel like I'm qualified to go in depth. Just like, I don't really feel like I'm qualified to go in depth about the NBA. Cause I don't follow it that well. Yeah. So I think, uh, you know, it's probably like, it's probably more helpful to have people like you come on that like are experts in that area or know more or more knowledgeable than us in that area. Yeah. I think you bring up so, an interesting point though, because the other day um, the NHL to celebrate international women's day did an all women's broadcast for mm-hmm. a men's game. And so I think what you're saying is actually kind of ironic that a woman, like an all female broadcast crew had to talk about men's sport to be covered, but it's hard. It, and it's totally is that true. You're not the only right. one to say that, but it's for men to cover women's sport is hard. And I'm like, that's such an interesting thing. Like it, the it's, broadcast no, no, no. was incredible. Like I'm not saying that yeah. it's it's hard because it's it's my own doing. Like yeah. I could if I if I like made a concerted effort to follow the WNBA right. or the women's soccer league. Like I could do that. It's yeah. just that I don't feel like at this point I'm knowledgeable enough to like go in depth. So it yeah. gets kind of glazed over. Yeah, and I think it's a problem so, that most. Yeah. I mean, most people have, and it, it'll take time to change. I mean, it's easy to go on Twitter, and I mean, my Twitter is covered with ESPN and men's sports all the time. Sure, but then. You know, the occasional I think cool things to do, like Women's Sports Foundation does really incredible things when it comes to women in sports, women coaches, like just kind of starting that conversation. Um, yeah, I mean, I think here women's basketball obviously is queen of the core and mm-hmm. queen of conversations. But at some point, like and I talk about this with my boss, like we can focus on women's basketball all we want, but there are a bunch of other sports here that also need that coverage so what they are starting we have to continue and like expand because women's basketball will not always well hopefully it will always be amazing here but you also have to be prepared for like a what if situation and so at least it's somewhere to start like I think that that's important like I think as we go into the NCAA tournament like hey doing a bracket for women's basketball and men's basketball and almost like kind of you know talking both like at the end of the day it's sport basketball is the same sport for both sides so the tournament should be of equal value and i mean i know i'm one that does a bracket just for men and i should even start trying to do it for women because it's just as exciting Mm -hmm. it's just Mm -hmm. gets kind of underwhelmed by men yeah i really want a natty before we leave That'd be so dope. Sabrina's got the best chance to give us an Addy. A hundred percent. Like, out of any team here. If she wins it, does she go down in history as the greatest Oregon athlete? Yes. Yes. I think she's already. Greatest Oregon athlete ever? I think she's top four right now. She beats. I was going to say, Mariota's Mariota's up there. Like, is she in the the pre-level at that point? It's tough, because, like, even Ashley has won some gold hard, too, because pre died so young. Right. And, you know, it's. I think that adds to his legacy, and that's not to take anything away from him. I mean, right. he held every American record from right. the mile up at one point, basically. So um, I don't know if she's quite at that level. I think she would have to have, like, a WNBA career after that. Because that's the thing with Mariota is, like, Mariota's – I mean, he's been in the NFL for five years, but he hasn't done a ton. Right. And so he was unbelievably good at Oregon, yeah. and he hasn't – but it just hasn't continued that much. Yeah. And so – I don't know. I think for Sabrina, I think what's going to be amazing is not just what she does in her WNBA, but what she's going to do above and beyond that. Like, she has such a platform that she's on right now, and she knows it, and she's willing to step on it and take it. So I think not only, like, the legacy she'll leave at Oregon, but, like, what she's going to do in the WNBA speaking out for women's sports, 
that's going to be what I mean, makes her yeah. and she'll have the team the, U- like the team usa platform as well because yeah. that's, yeah. that's inevitable i, mean, the, the, I think the the, the, the mantle Kobe Bryant is legacy, to her. The, the mama mentality time and i think she's going to play yeah. into a lot of that as well so i mean you don't I get agree. asked to speak at kobe Bryant's memorial service right. unless you yeah. have that clout right. so i mean you're up there yeah. with michael jordan shack it's it's, yeah it's crazy yeah so and then went and waxed stanford yeah yeah, yeah. Waxed. yeah that was crazy stanford that takes a lot of mental strength. So I think her platform alone will make her yeah. one of the most well-known or actually, if not other than, you know, Prefontaine. Like, she'll be right. up there with Mariota in terms of known yeah. figures yeah. here. Mm-hmm. And if she can make an impact beyond college, she'll be better than Mariota because, yeah. yeah. Well, when you say Oregon athletes, are we, we're saying just to ever go to Oregon? Or are we saying, like, cause when you said that, I thought you meant in Oregon history. And I think that's a different question than... It is a different legacy. question because there's like the question of like icon or most accomplished at Oregon. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. she's arguably the most accomplished while at Oregon. Yeah, because I was gonna say like, there's probably more people that are more accomplished at North Carolina, but Jordan's the best North Carolina basketball player. Exactly. Ever. Yeah. So, so but yeah. I think when people say Oregon, people are gonna start thinking Sabrina, and I think yes. that's a pretty dope change of conversation yep. because it's not normal for it to be that way. But I think. That that conversation is changing. That's how it is right now. Yeah. I mean, you have the the Pac-12 Player of the Year on the men's side is Peyton Pritchard, and he is completely overshadowed by and he lo- and it's right. and and what's cool about it is that he doesn't complain, and no. I can appreciate that about him is that he totally embraces the fact that she deserves like that platform, and he's all about it. And I think that's for a male Player of the Year to do that. That's incredible. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm not giving that much credit. I don't think he's got a choice. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's just Peyton that Pr- much no, better but than Peyton he is. Pritchard is somebody who is a great player, but I think that his four years here are because he needed those four if he's going to have an NBA that. career. Well, yeah. Sabrina is here 100% by choice. Yes. Yeah, definitely. That's true. She definitely. she would have been the number 1 pick last year. She's going to be the number 1 pick this year. She's going to she can She'll be the number one pick across the globe wherever she wants to play in the offseason if she chooses to do so. It's just like I can't wait to see her jersey sales go. Oh, it's gonna be amazing. The roof because everyone tier. in Eugene is gonna buy one, and that's yeah. gonna be pretty awesome. She's got to sign with the right brand. <laughs> it's done. Yeah, it's like <laughs> um, yeah, like there's a choice in that conversation. <laughs> Maybe, All right. Maybe she'll go with the the 3B brand. What is that brand? Big, oh, Big Baller brand? Oh, that would be that a coup brand. for them. Yeah, if Big Baller <laughs> brand got Sabrina, that would be unbelievable. <laughs> Literally. There's no way it'll happen. It's so not possible. <laughs> well, okay, hold, let's not say no way. Anyway, um, thank you so much, Mary, for coming on. Um, we'll talk to you off mic about who you think we should bring in next to continue this trend we're on. Sounds good. <laughs> um... That's all for us. This is episode 28, Day Before Podcast. We'll see you next week. Out. Hey, man, you thought a little vacation was going to hold me back home, boy. Man, I'm back, man. Brighter than ever. You understand that? If you didn't like me then, <laughs> you can hate me now.